This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 35 of the Ninja Starship Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy McKnight, and it is 5 o'clock. We are live from Podcast Detroit Studios above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Falling Down Beer Company in Warren, Michigan. They are fueling this episode with Angry Beaver Ale, El Delicioso. Announcements this week, March 5th and 6th, Fantasticon takes over the Causeway Bay Hotel and Convention Center in Lansing, Michigan. Doors open at 10 a.m. on Saturday until 6 p.m. and 10 a.m. until 5 p.m. on Sunday. Get your bottles of Colt 45. Right? You guys remember the Colt 45 commercials with Billy D. Williams? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, Colt 45 it? works every time. All I can think of is the <laughs> Afro Man song now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Billy D. Williams will be in attendance that weekend, as well as Jeremy London from Mallrats, plus great guests including J.R. Blanton, who was on last week, Tony Maiello, Dan Doherty, all of our friends from SourcePoint Press, and the legendary Dirk Manning. Oh, let's see, what else we got? Uh, coming off the heels of uh, Great Lakes Comic Con this weekend, it was actually pretty awesome. I'll tell you a story about how I lost the greatest show ID of all time. Plus, my guests this week are quickly becoming ambassadors in their own mediums in the world of comics and horror. So lock it in, crank it up, and prepare for launch as we go into episode 35 of the Ninja Starship. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, What's up, Ranger fans? This is Steve Cardenas, a.k.a. Rocky the Red Power Ranger. Hey, this is Eugene Clark from George Romero's Land of the Dead. Hey, this is Jason Font from Power Rangers Time Force. Hi, this is Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Men. And this is Ming Chen, also from AMC's Comic Book Men. You are listening to... You're listening to... The Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. A favorite podcast. It has begun! Oh, yeah! Woo! I am awesome! You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole is. All right, everybody, let's get the show started. In studio with me today is the wonderfully talented and beautiful Casey Pierce. Also, uh, artist and illustrator on The Rots and on the brand new comic Nora, Sean Seal. And our distinguished Marvel artist in studio, Mr. <laughs> Jay Fosgett. Hi. How's it going, everybody? Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hells yeah. So, as we said before, Great Lakes Comic Con just ended. Uh, you and me were there, Kate, or you and I were there, Casey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you did a panel. Tell me about yes. how your panel went. Uh, you know, it went pretty well, actually, surprisingly well. It was the first one I'd ever done, and I didn't know we were doing it until five minutes before. Oh, perfect. Uh, so, awesome prep time. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, you know, we did it on how to sell a script or how selling your script. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was following Travis in there, and I go, okay, I just follow your lead, right? And he's like, yeah, that'd be fine. And it was, you know, and 
you can only talk about what you know, and and I did, and it was helpful to people, and mm-hmm. that's what the panel was about. So oh, yeah. I really enjoyed it, and I would do it again. That was the how to sell your script. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. Right on. I uh, I sat in on the panel that they had earlier that day, and it was uh, Travis McIntyre and uh, Josh Warner Warner, mm-hmm. and uh, they did the uh, create a comic, and it was an all ages panel. Okay, and I, I told Josh earlier that I was like, yeah, I'll come in there and take some pictures for you. What I caught, man, was something way more than you would normally expect from a panel because there were so many little kids in there. Their imaginations were just on fire, just pow, 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 because they had to create a superhero that ended up turning into a supervillain who was a guy, you know, uh, funded by money and technology and like like Lex Luthor money and yeah. oh my god, they're, it was you know they're good with that. Yeah, because, that you know, was so well, cool. they're both dads too. Right, right. Um, so yeah, you could tell they had that. They had the patience. They had the oh yeah, and they kept asking the you know Travis all the right questions, all the right mm-hmm. questions. Well, like what's the source of his power? Where is is he tragic? Is he happy? Is is you know? And it forced these kids to really think. And it was right. It yeah, was he makes he makes them a part of it, and that's Hell what yeah. it's all about. You're not talking at them. You're helping them. You're allowing them to create. So mm-hmm. yeah, Travis is really good with that, and so is Josh. Do you uh, do you have a uh, an epic moment? From the weekend at all, or the, the Comic Con? Oh, um, I th- I think the panel was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I would just say the panel, but it was very successful. It was actually bigger. Uh, it keeps getting bigger every year. Great Lakes does. Right on. And um, I know a lot of people did very well at the show, and the crowd was great. And uh, I have absolutely no complaints. I think it's a wonderful show. Yeah, it had a really good uh, ambiance to it. That was the first year that I actually went to it. And uh, I got drawn because Larry Kenny was going to be there, which leads me into my story. Um, <laughs> I got to finally meet Larry Kenny, who is the voice of Lionel, for those that don't know. Plus, he's done – check him out on IMDb. He's got a list of stuff that he does. But I had my recorder, and I bought a, a signature from him. And I was like, would you mind doing a show ID? And he's like, oh, absolutely, sure. So I'm like, uh-huh. oh, yes, this is going to be great. I hit record. I put it up. He does the greatest show ID I've ever heard. He's like, Sword of Omens, give me sight. You're listening to the ninjas. And I'm like, oh, my God, this uh, is awesome. That's awesome. Well, I get home, and I pull my files off the recorder, and I'm looking, and I only have three panels that I recorded last year. There's no not, – they're all like an hour long. I didn't even record the Shut most epic show up. ID no. that I ever have heard in my life. I lost it. It's out in the ether. Gone. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay because next time I see the guy, he'll rem- he'll at least remember, and I'll be like, yeah, or at least I hope he remembered. <laughs> and I'm right. like, I have to at least maybe, try to get another one. Yeah, just one. explain it. You oh know? yeah, he sounds like a real nice student, patient guy. But you know, Nova was supposed to be there for Planet of the Apes, and she canceled at the last minute. Right, right. And we weren't even allowed to go talk to Sergeant Slaughter because his agent didn't like podcasts, apparently. Whatever. So whatever, whatever. It's such a uh, ridiculous excuse. Well, you know, podcasting, man, I, 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 I can't knock the guy because it's still the Wild West medium. I mean, if you're in it, you know about it. You yeah. know the big players. But if you're outside of it, people don't really understand yet. You know, yeah, they well, really I, I don't. I know some of the bigger cons are still has them about giving press passes to mm-hmm. podcasters. Oh, well. Let us talk about Nora because we have Casey and Sean who both worked on this amazing or soon to be amazing story cuz I haven't read it yet I can't I can't prejudge but knowing your past work and seeing the stuff you've done Sean this is going to be a powerhouse so let's get into this um I the first thing I want to know is you said that Nora is a coma fisher yes 
Where did you get the idea to write about a coma fisher? Where did you even hear about a coma fisher? Because until you told me about this a couple cons ago, I'm like, coma fisher? Like, I didn't even know that was a job. <laughs> well, it isn't. I created it. Um, oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, I'm obsessed with neurology. Actually, I was just talking about this earlier. Um, but I'm also a, a big fan of the metaphysical, so I kind of combine the two. And I'm like, well, where would you go in a coma? Like, nobody comes out of a coma and really – you know, can vouch for, oh, it just felt like I was in a, a deep sleep and I mm-hmm. had dreams and blah, blah, blah. You know, it really doesn't happen um, too often. So um, I kind of just created that world. And what it would mean to me would be like a, a desolate purgatory. Mm-hmm. You're trapped between uh, dimensions. Um, so that's really what I was shooting for. And uh, it, it would seem to me that to be in, in a coma would be, you know, desolate, scary, and... Um, do you want some finality? Whether and some people don't know the condition they're in, and Nora is there to remind them uh, whether it's worth staying, mm-hmm. and then she'll gently help them cross over, or she'll retrieve them and say, "Hey, you know, um, your family's looking for you." Yada yada, so on and so forth. When I think of somebody in a coma, I, I automatically go back to that scene in The Matrix where Neo's in the train station and he runs up through the tunnel and then mm-hmm. comes back through the other side and you're just constantly in a loop and you can't escape that. Right. You know what I mean? So right. I get where you're going with that. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Sean, what was it like working with Casey, having to pull these ideas from her brain and transfer them onto paper? She's looking at me like, you better be nice. <laughs> She's like, think about this before you talk. <laughs> think before you talk, fool. Um, it was great. I mean, the I would say the biggest challenge is, uh, well, was starting out basically, you know, like what you guys were just talking about with like trying to imagine what it would be like if you were in uh, that state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I knew we wanted something, we wanted it to be, Sorry about that. No, you're good. Uh, you know, sort of creepy. And so my first thought, you know, the first images that came into my head was it was going to be like this old, like abandoned, like haunted house, like with old dusty wallpaper. And I was going to put like print on the wallpaper. And mm-hmm. I mean, I had this idea of what I wanted. And then like the first sketches or, you know, that I did, first panels that I showed Casey, she was just like, well, it kind of looks like she's in a house. And I was just like, Yeah. It's not really, that's right. not really that's not what we're going for. <laughs> you know, so I, I had to kind of rethink it, and I was like, well, you know, what what is it like? You know, yeah, what, yeah. what is it supposed to look like inside, you know, a coma? Right. And she's just like, well, it's kind of like a dark gray concrete roof. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is going to be difficult to find something visually that right, I hang my right. hat on, you know? Yeah. It's like, what is a dark gray concrete room? It's there's no light. There's mm-hmm. no there, there's no shapes. I mean, it's just like, how am I going to make this interesting? Right. And uh, we basically, it's very, um, I would say it's kind of impressionistic, the style of it, because, you know, what I ended up doing was like overlaying like a, a watercolor texture that I'd made um, that just has some random textures in it and colors and just like splatters. You know, it's mm-hmm. not... Uh, I think impressionistic is probably the best word to use. Right on. Um, you know, so there's basically the only way there is to really make like shapes or, uh, you know, make compositions that are interesting to look at is just kind of have to sort of play with the light. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's also difficult because, you know, you're in a gray room with no lights. Right, right. How do you accentuate <laughs> a, a dark room? Yeah, so yeah. I'm just like, it was, I have to admit, it's probably 
one of the toughest illustration assignments I think I've ever had. You're welcome. <laughs> you know, and she's very, I mean, she's very easy to work with and uh, she's very supportive of like, you know, yeah, that looks cool, you know, but. Yeah. But we, we really compromised on what, not, like the whole structure of the room and just what happens interdimensionally. You know, so it, it kind of played with the story a little bit, too, mm-hmm. when we came together to create something um, more visually stunning than what was in my head. Well, but, yeah, because so. we, um, you know, because she's, you know, her background is like, you know, she's writing prose, right? Which is, you know, there's no pictures. It's just, you know, it really works as a psychological, like, you know, thriller. Like, you know, the concepts that are in it are strong mm-hmm. um, from a mental, you know, you know, something in your head kind of a thing. But as right. far as like comic books are, are you know, it's a visual medium. So it's like, you know, if you don't have cars on the street or if you don't have Neo running through like a subway. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, really, I mean, it's like you got to have, you know, something that you can use to compose. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you got to have you got to have some you got to have yeah, some notes right, before right. you can make some music. Doing right? some YouTube searches on like, what do people see in comas? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, and that nothing. was a learning experience for me, too. Just learning what translates to comic book and what doesn't. Right. So, I mean, it was it was a learning process for both of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the story actually changed a little bit. I mean, she we added some pages uh, just because we wanted to add some action and, you know, have a little bit of drama and, you know, some uh, a sense of impending doom, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, like the people have to get away from something or something bad happened or there's some action right. that, uh, you know, so I can show some movement, you know, just so when people are reading through it, because it's actually not super dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really good because I ended up getting uh, conscripted as the uh, letterer as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't have to. I didn't have to squeeze like paragraphs into word balloons. Right, right. Uh, but at the same time, it's like that means it leans more heavily on the art. On the know? art, exactly, which is like Casey's favorite thing about making comics. Is, <laughs> it's like I don't have to do shit. I thought it would be more challenging doing the comic script. Yeah. Like, oh, you mean I can rely on the illustrator for that? Right, right. Yeah. Well, compared to Pieces of Madness, where it's, it's no pictures, you know. Right, I mean, and now, you have to be yeah. dramatically on point all the time. But yeah. in your descriptions, like when I'm waiting for like John Merkin, um, you know, I can be like, John, this should be scary as. F. I didn't know what you can we say. Could fuck. Say. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, John's just <laughs> scary as fuck. Like you don't understand. Just go nuts. I can say things like that, and yeah. nobody knows that, you know, because it's not in the script. Right. So. Right. Yeah. So, what is your preferred medium to to work in? When when you're do, do, are you a, a more of a painter, more of a, a, a draw or on, on pen and ink? Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as comic books are mm-hmm. concerned, um, I work almost exclusively in a digital format. Okay. So I have a thing called a Wacom tablet, or Wacom, okay. Wacom tablet, okay. uh, where it's just like this, you know, it's this black uh, square, and I have a stylus, you know, like you would use on your phone or something, but it's a little bit more uh, sophisticated. Right on. Um, but anything that I draw on that mm-hmm. uh, goes right into Photoshop, which is what I use. Okay. okay. So it's like, so like I make a line. Like a digital playground. Yeah. So like yeah, I make cool. a line, you know, and it's like. And it's pressure sensitive, so like if I press hard, the line gets thicker. thicker. That's cool, so, man! Yeah. Wow, hell yeah! Well, going from digital medium over to pen and ink medium, Mr. Jay Fosgett. How you doing over there, buddy? Good. How you I didn't doing? forget about you. Probably. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about me, so it's all good. Uh, you contributed to the Kickstarter for Nora, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know if it's safe to say that I was kind of talking to you about the series before it became what it became. Yeah. Um, 
So I was kind of there when Casey was, you know, discussing all this and whatever. And we yeah. always said I would do a pinup, you know, and um, which I was really excited to do. At that point, I don't think there had been any visualization for Nora. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I, no, I, th- I think we had some roughs. Okay. Well, at any rate, I mean, I was using, you know, whatever your verbal description was. Right, right. So when I did this pinup, it was basically, you know, Casey said she's got a beret. And, and we couldn't really describe how the, she does what she does. So trying to visualize that and, and create that myself for the pinup was a fun challenge. And I got to work much darker than when I typically do. I, I don't really – when I work in the horror field, it's like humor horror. Right. So getting to play around in, in Casey's imagination was a blast. Well, it shows you know the the uh, the versatility of your art too, because you're My Little Pony, and then Rocket and Groot, mm-hmm. and then you go into horror. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I've dabbled in it for years because I used to do a um, a monthly cartoon for Rumorg Magazine called mm-hmm. Necronama Comics, where I would parody horror movies. Mm-hmm. And then my very first published work was Dead Duck, which is a duck work for the Grim Reaper, and so you know, horror has always been part of what I do. It's just been a lot of humor to it. So it was, right. You know, Casey gave me a great opportunity to be able to just do it straight. Even for just one pinup, um, I feel real privileged to get to do that. Right on. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick because you have that uh, now being published by SourcePoint, correct? Yeah. um, That was one of those things where, you know, I first created Dead Duck as a graphic novel back in 2009. And then that sort of came and went and I moved on to other things. I've been doing my own book, Bodhi Troll, for the last few years. I saw the cartoon that you made for that. Oh, the pitch it. the oh, trailer. Yeah, yeah, um, Jay Clark sent it to me. And I'm like, why is this not on Nickelodeon or something? Like, this is amazing. There's things in the works. That's all I'll say. Right but, on, man. Um, yeah, and Jay did a brilliant job narrating that. He did. Uh, he was my first guy I thought of. And then we just branched off from there with other vocal actors. But, um, yeah, with Dead Duck... Um, I was going to be doing another Bodhi issue and there's a hang up at my publisher and I wasn't going to have a new creator owned book mm-hmm. for the con season. So I talked to Travis at SourcePoint and I said, I got this dead duck material I haven't used for anything. It's been lying around for three, four years. Why don't we do a one shot? And he loved it and uh, we put it together. I did some new material. Casey wrote a fantastic interview that runs in the back of the book. It's sort of a nice end cap for it. And um, that comes out. We're premiering it at C2E2 in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Dead Duck and Zombie Chick, uh, Rising from the Grave is what we're calling it. So cool. Well, I mean, since you all are kind of uh, dealing with horror at the moment, how do you find marketing horror? Like, like, do you find it easier to market, you know, uh, horror-based projects versus, say, uh, Bodie Troll or My Little Pony or, you know, other stuff that you guys have worked on in the past? You know, I, I think um, – I have a little bit of an advantage because I'm dealing with sci-fi and horror mm-hmm. at the same time. And there's thin lines between the two. Mm-hmm. I always say in horror, it doesn't get better for the main character. You just, you know, you take the, the science um, yeah. out of science fiction and that's it. Um, so it's it's a little bit easier to market. I feel like um, it appeals to um, just a, a broader range, I guess. Um, but horror fans, I've discovered, are like true blue. Like there's no... Well, I'm kind of into horror. No, they are all You're about it, and you can out, really yeah. tell. Um, it's a very love it or hate it kind of genre. Um, but and they're very passionate people too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all different types of horror, you know. Um, so when I sell something like Pieces of Madness, I always say, "What do you like to read?" Because it could go all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big fan of slashers. I'm really not. You know, I like things psychological. I like Silence of the Lambs. You know, I like gore. But I don't like senseless gore either, so I'm very picky about you know right, right. stuff like that. So um, 
but yeah, horror fans, they're just, there's something else. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, from artist perspective, uh, how do you guys, you know, find it, do you, do you find it challenging to go from, you know, having to place yourself in, in more or less a, a, a darker frame of mind to create something like this and then say like, well, Sean, like you draw a tree or paint a tree every day yeah. and then you draw these like, uh, or paint these, uh, uh, scary, horrific aliens for Nora, you know, like do you find a challenge in, in switching from from one to the other? Uh, no, it's not a challenge at all, and um, I love it. Hell yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I love. I mean, for me, I get really bored really quickly if um, you know I'm doing the same thing all mm. the time. And you know, the the tree that I paint every day. I mean, it's this beautiful little landscape. But I mean, it doesn't take me a long time, mm-hmm. and I basically zone out while I'm doing it. Right, you've I mean, done it so many times. Yeah, I put on. I put on like uh, like I'll listen to. Uh, Inya. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, of Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, oh, what was the franchise that she was a part of? Uh, Pure Moods. <laughs> no, I, that, that's true. That's true. I she's met, she's like, one uh, of the Celtic women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, one, one of the movies that kept playing her. Uh, maybe it was like the first Lord of the Rings or something. I know it was like an epic movie yeah, she like does, that. She does have a track in uh, the first Lord of the Rings. Okay, and, you okay. know, cause sometimes I will listen to soundtracks, and that's like one of the ones yeah, I'll listen yeah. to. You know? right she was on. on a Robin Williams movie, too. Toy, what? Toys. What? She was on the Toys oh, soundtrack. No kidding. That's a, oh man, that's early nineties. Great movie. Oh, I saw yeah. that in the theater. I was a kid too, and I was like, uh, "This movie isn't like." <laughs> I was really disappointed. <laughs> you can tell that Tim Burton originated that whole concept before it was handed yeah, off to somebody it, else. Right. It has that weird vibe. Yes, it, so. yes. Yeah. But I think kids Sean... killing people with plain uh, video yeah. games. And, oh yeah. Yeah, I, I I think Sean paints a tree every day to keep from being a serial killer. <laughs> no comment. If How you, many have you done so far? Uh, eighteen. I got to do one when I get home. Actually, I think I'm on eighteen seventy. Tonight will be six. I think. Wow. Yeah, seventy six. Wow. Seventy five was yesterday. You ever go back and look at the first one? Oh, then, <laughs> you know it's funny because they there's been this progression. I mean, I, I'm I paint it every day, and mm-hmm. I'm on eighteen, so you can do the math. It's I've been doing it for a while. Right on. And uh, I go back and I look at like the first ones I did, and they're they're pretty good. But then you know it's like I'm always trying to push myself or do something a little bit different, you know, right. because the whole point of doing it is that I'm painting every day and hopefully learning something or doing something a little bit different, you know. So I I've got off on some tangents and there's like a there's a stretch in there like you know 150 to like 300 where they're just awful. <laughs> <laughs> they're really bad, <laughs> you know. But uh, the first couple weren't too bad, and uh, this year I started doing something a little bit different, like. I did paint them. I always paint them in watercolor. In fact, mm-hmm. I have a blog, Little Watercolor Trees, you know, because they're little watercolor trees. So, yeah. um, But I switched to uh, ink. So I start, I've started painting them with, like, this whole bean, like, acrylic, you know, opaque, you know, ink and uh, putting little landscapes in them. Really? You know? Yeah. So, I, so I'm doing a little bit more. Um, so I have to think about them a little bit more because I have to think, all right, what's in the background? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the the whole point is, you know, I'm always trying to challenge myself or whatever. Right on. Let's dive back into Nora. Uh, where does Nora take place? Is it future, past, present? Oh, it's well, it's present now. Okay. Um, we consistently flash back um, to how she obtained the ability, mm-hmm. which is 
this is long, dark tale. She used to work in pathogenic development. What's that? Um, <laughs> it's a private, <laughs> private sector of the CIA that um, created uh, hellish viruses for means of biological warfare. So she used to take a whole cities, men, women, children, didn't matter. Um, they didn't ask questions. That was just their job. That's what they did. Okay. They were scientists. Um, so, and she sort of does the coma fishing um, not as means of redemption, but she is doing it for herself. But she's she always um, is, I guess, carrying the weight of her past. She's trying to shake it, but she knows she can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, she's a woman in mourning. I mean, it's it's not. This is not a spoiler alert. You know this from the jump. Um, she loses her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's a very tragic character. Yeah, she's tortured. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a very tortured soul. But. Um, she does find uh, some sort of peace in helping people out this way. Um, but a Marine general had approached them about an alien threat that threatened a mass genocide of the human race. Um, so they needed an intergalactic branch of the military. Uh, so they resurrected an old baby called Project Warlock, uh, which doubled your DNA. And uh, it strengthened neural networks. Uh, so okay. it made you quicker, faster, sharper, and um, made you just on a different plane, you know, the way you thought. And um, actually, one of the com- components of it um, that you'll find out is um, uh, LSD. So um, it did put, put you on a higher plane in terms of uh, sp- spiritually, the way you thought, everything like that. So um, anyways. Did it matter who you were like before any of this happened? Like if you were a bad person, would it affect you differently than if you were a good person? You know, um, they for lack of time, mm-hmm. they were their own test subjects. Okay. Okay. So, and I won't say anymore. All right, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers. No, 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 the no. Uh, dark corner of the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm booked. Where can I read this? Right, right. So it takes present in the now what she does for a living. Um, but we also flash back to the past, how she obtained the ability, uh, what she's been through. And uh, we kind of, in each, episode, in each issue, uh, we reveal some of what happened in her past. So all throughout the four issues, you're kind of piecing together why she is the way she is, why she does what she does. Wow. Um, and then we deal with a different coma case. Each each issue? Yes. Right on. This is going to be awesome. I'm I'm super excited for this. Aww, you uh you it's debuting at C2E2, but you are having a Pre- pre-release, pre-release party. party, and yes. let's talk about that for a second. Where's this going to be? Who's going to be there? This is going to be with Dirk Manning, mm-hmm. the legend Dirk Manning. <laughs> um, we are like emerging a signing, but it's going to be an aura pre-release party. Um, we, I will only have fifty copies with me. They are the first fifty off the press, mm-hmm. uh, so first come, first serve. Um, yeah, it's going to be a really good time. We're trying to get Voyager three to play. Hopefully, they'll be able to because they do have a new album out, and they're kind of like a Sith pop electric band, which would be great for a sci-fi series. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And originally I had a signing on the 22nd, but then um, Dirk had a weekend available and he wanted to have a signing at Comics and More, which is in Madison Heights on John R. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you know, I want to do one the same month, but we didn't want to like take from each other's shine really. Right. So I'm right. like, well, let's, you know, let's make this a positive thing, you know. And he said, you know, we can merge and it'll be great. So, yeah. That's March twelfth, and March from 12th. twelve to noon, or um, noon to six. Sorry, at Comics and More in Madison Heights in on Madison John R. Heights. Mm-hmm. All right, how's everybody doing? You need refills? Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with more on the Ninja Starship. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. Wow. 
Well, it's about time. At last, a shrine erected honoring the awesome might that is Lord Krang. In a world where podcasts are here one day and gone the next, the people call on one man to bring them a show that would save the planet as we know it. This is not that guy. From Podcast Detroit and the Points of Interest Podcast Network comes a show that talks about Power Rangers, the macho man Randy Savage, movies and TV shows, comic books and more. Brought to you by the host with the most, Jimmy McKnight. The Ninja Starship with Jimmy McKnight is live 5 o'clock on Sundays on Podcast Detroit. Email the show ninjastarpod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. This is a previously recorded episode. And we're back on the Ninja Starship, episode 35. I am joined in studio by Sean Seal, Casey Pierce, and Mr. Jay Fosgett. And as I so rudely forgot to introduce in the first half of the show... My pizza-loving Wookiee friend, Will, is here. What's up, buddy? I'm so sorry. It's cool. Like Chewbacca gets ignored by Han Solo all the time. I'm used to you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um... Mr. Fosgate, I want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I, want to, I want to talk about Bodie Troll. I want to talk about My Little Pony. Where did, let's start with Bodie Troll. Where did, where did you kind of get, because see, I'm finding myself asking the, the same question to a, a, a lot of my guests, and I'm really fascinated by people that kind of really just give it up and go after their dream to create what it is they want to create. So where did you find the inspiration to create Bodie Troll? Well, uh, you know, Dead Duck had already come out mm-hmm. like the year before, okay. and uh, I was getting kind of desperate because it didn't really go anywhere with that publisher, and I felt like I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to do something that's all ages that everyone can enjoy because mm-hmm. Dead Duck was more adult. And so I contacted Mike Mignola, who created Hellboy, and I had this idea for uh, a story about kid Hellboy meeting his first crush, which would be a girl troll. Ooh. And so I did this two-page story, wrote it, drew it, colored it, sent it off to Mike. He really liked it, but they weren't doing any anthology comics at the time. It was just him drawing it, so he's like, I don't have a place for it. Mm-hmm. I liked that troll character so much, I kept developing it. It took on more of my personality, so it became a boy. I named it Bodie, and then next thing you know, I, I created this whole series around it. It's just this goofball fairy tale book about a troll that wants to be big and scary, but he's too cute and cuddly, so no one takes him seriously. Okay. Um, I connected with Red 5 Comics, and they're the <laughs> ones that have been carrying it for the last couple of years. We did a four-issue miniseries, a trade uh, collection, and then we just did issue one of the new miniseries, Bodie Troll Fuzzy Memories. Issue two is ready to go to print. Whether or not it goes to print through Red 5 or through a different publisher remains to be seen, but okay. Bodie is still trucking along. Right on. And as we did talk earlier, uh, the uh, the trailer that you made yeah. as a cartoon, genius. Thank you. So, that was, so genius. That was an idea I had a year ago. I just thought, well, how can I really promote Bodie? And I thought, well, I'll make a really cool trailer. And so um, Katie, if you know Katie Cook, you know, big comic creator, yeah, 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 she yeah. works on ponies and Star Wars and all sorts of stuff. Her husband works for U of M uh, doing a lot of technical things with broadcasting, with sound and all sorts of media. So he edited the whole thing together for me. Um, I brought together a lot of vocal talents uh, to be a part of it. Jason Clark, who mm-hmm. we all know on this show, 
uh, was going to be my narrator. Originally, he was just going to be the only voice. Elegant weapon. Plug, Elegant plug, weapon. Plug, plug. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I decided, well, I know all these other people too. Like one of my friends is the performer of Abby Cadabby on Sesame Street. And so I got her to voice Ms. Bijou. And um, my friend Allison Court out of Toronto, she was the voice of Lydia in Beetlejuice cartoon. And oh, cool. She, she became the voice of Charlie. And um, anyway, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I just created this trailer from using clips from the comic book. And we put a soundtrack in there, sound effects. And uh, if you Google Boat Troll trailer, you can see it on YouTube. And it, it's been a nice little tool, I think. Right on. Yeah. So you go from Bodie Troll to My Little Pony. Yeah. How, that, did, how, did, you, how did you land that? Unintentionally. Really? Just kind of fell in your lap? Trying. Well, Katie Cook, you know, a very good friend of mine, was pushing for me to get on the book. She yeah. said, like, your style's perfect for ponies. You should be working on ponies. Mm-hmm. And I was dragging my, my feet. And and finally, she's like, just do it. Just send in some artwork to, to Bobby Kernow, the editor. Yeah. And he liked my art. And originally, he was just going to have me do a cover. And I was midway to starting the cover. He goes, you know what? Screw it. Just I want you to draw this whole issue. And so, you know, six issues later, uh, I'm still working on the series. I'm one of the regular artists in rotation. That's so. awesome. How, well, how many artists in rotation? How many artists work on uh, My Little Pony? At least six that I can think of, and really? some I'm probably not even aware of. Um, and all your styles have to kind of jive, I would assume. Yes, because and no. Pony fans seem to be pretty well, particular. It's funny you should say that. Uh, we all have our own spin on it, you know. Like for example, I'm probably the most off-model artist that they have. Mm-hmm. But my editor and Hasbro are both happy with that. Right and on. large, I have a lot of fans that love my style on the book. And there's a good amount of people who hate my style in the book and bitch about it on Twitter. Really? So, oh, I've been torn up on Twitter about Man, it. Man, back off, bronies. But Come on. The way I see it is, you know, I got enough people that like my work, they're happy with it, and I'm getting paid, so. Hell yeah. That's all that matters, <laughs> man. Care. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that. Talk about Making it drizzle. <laughs> and he puts out his sunglasses. <laughs> Pony. Thug life. Bump. <laughs> we were talking about horror fans being so passionate. My Little Pony fans are super passionate. <laughs> Scarier than any horror you'll ever see. <laughs> what, um... Uh, <laughs> What what are what what's something that a um, a pony fan has said to you that that you've kind of been like, whoa, like oh, the what most was the, the most one thing? thing? I had an offhanded compliment from one of them where he's like, you know, you do these gorgeous backgrounds for Bodie Troll. What the hell are you doing on ponies? <laughs> <laughs> because admittedly, my backgrounds are pretty sparse on ponies usually because uh-huh. I have a short deadline and I got to truck right. through them. But also because that's sort of the style. Like like sometimes there's elaborate backgrounds. Most of the time, it's just big splotches of color. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just sort of the house style. But there's that. And then I've had people bitch about I, – I'm the only guy who draws the ponies with eyebrows. Okay. Because it's the only way I can have them convey emotion because otherwise they've got pretty blank faces. Right, And right. having a horse muzzle emote is a real trick. Right. Then you're, you know, relying on body language and how do you do that? That's it. And yeah. they don't have fingers. So – Right. You know, <laughs> they got stumps basically. So it's really awkward and, and I've, I'm kind of a, a big fan of animation. So I figure anything I can do to convey – acting through the face or whatever. Yeah. So I give them eyebrows. No big whoop. But yeah, some people have lost their minds about that. It's okay. I love it. I thought it looked awesome. Thank you. Okay. Um, and then now you're working on Rocket Raccoon and Groot. Yeah. And that's, that's that's huge. That's something I definitely worked towards. I didn't just fall into that one, but it was uh, – I had been encouraged to reach out to some editors at Marvel and just show them my work and mm-hmm. see what they thought. And uh, the first guy I met was a guy named Tom Brevort who's like sort of the king daddy of editors on Avengers. And he hired me to do a cover for an issue that's coming out actually next Wednesday, this okay. this Wednesday, uh, called uh, Avengers Standoff. 
And um, so I did this cover with the new character, Gwenpool, and it's uh, oh, yeah, yeah. my first Marvel project, you know. And that, like I said, that comes out March 2nd. I'm doing a couple store signings around Michigan for that. Very cool. Uh, Green Brain Comics and Comic City, both on March 2nd. And um, anyway, so I did that, and then, you know, a little bit of time went by, and I mean, like, just a matter of a week or two. Yeah. And I got a message from Scotty Young, who's a big artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The regular writer on Rocket and Groot. And we're pals, and he's like, listen, what do you think about, you know, you want to draw an issue of Rocket and Groot? And I'm like, no. Of course. (laughs) Of course I said yes. Um, No, I I was just thrilled. I was so excited that he asked me to do that, and it's been an honor. And so I'm literally just starting as we speak. Right on, man. Yeah. Yeah. so, are, are, were you a were you a, a big Marvel fan? So yeah. when okay, so yeah. when this happened, I mean, you had to be just yeah. ecstatic. This is top of the mountain for me. That's I mean, amazing, I, man! Congratulations. Thank you. For me, there was like Marvel and the Muppets, and those were the two pro, uh, products I, I say franchises I most wanted to get my hands on. Yeah, and I've worked with the Muppets. I've drawn the Sesame Street comic book a couple of years ago, and um, I have a lot of connectivity to Jim Henson and the Muppets. And now with with Marvel, it's like yeah, childhood you know dream fulfilled. So yeah, I the only real connection to Muppets that I have, and it actually kind of ties in with this show, is the first select quote unquote celebrity that I ever interviewed was Carol Spinney. Yeah, and oh my god, dude! Like I was so unprepared. It was at Grand Rapids Comic Con. I was nervous as could be, and I actually I didn't plan on interviewing him right then and there like I, I just went up and I, I was like maybe we'll set something up for Sunday you know I was yeah. like hey you know I, I'd like to talk to you sometime this weekend you know and he's like well how about right now I'm like <laughs> uh, uh, duh. I'm not gonna say no you yeah. know what I mean like I so I, I jump in there and I start talking to him and uh I, I I see like I have a you know when we're going to cons now you have like the, the, these announcers that are all burr, 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 you can't hear anything right in the middle of him talking about Jim Henson's funeral and how he sang it's not easy being green I'm like if I if I see that dude I swear to God like right now is not the time choke him <laughs> I mean I get what they got to do but God it sucks being a podcaster and, and something like that happens you know yeah, it's not conducive at all yeah so. so he was cool about it and he actually made fun of it and you know and, and I, I kept that part because he was like he made fun of the of the voice and everything I'm like this is so great I'm like we're dissing this with Carol Spinney this is awesome and uh, he uh, he he you know I, I got to a point where I didn't know what to ask him next and I actually had a, a point where I was like oh I'm sorry uh, I didn't expect you to say yes i didn't know you know what to do and he's like oh don't worry about it and then i had like three more questions pop out of nowhere so it was like i really owe it to that guy because he was the first quote-unquote big name to give me a shot he's he's a huge star i mean he's he's so genuine the nicest guy oh yeah and you might be doing the show too i'm doing a show in uh philly uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming down okay, there too. Okay, cool. Yes. So I found out he's going to be a guest, and I'm like, that's oh, it. I am so meeting Carol awesome. Spinney. I'm going to draw something for him. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Speaking of uh, uh, Dirk Manning, at that exact same con, um, me and Dirk were sitting at a table. We were having the VIP dinner, and Carol Spinney is at the table right across from us. And Dirk's like, are you kidding me? That's Big Bird over there? I'm like, yeah, that's Big Bird. He's like, I am. I haven't been starstruck in years. He's like, I. Oh my God, that's Big Bird. You know. So I mean, the man carries with him, oh, you know, yeah. some major fame. He's an icon. And his handler is like, he's like, he doesn't even realize the kind of fame that he has with people. Not adults. You know? he's, no, he's very surprised by it. Still. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, come on, man. You, 
you raised us, basically. Honestly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, with the 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 ABC song and all that. I mean, come on, it's, it's genius. And Absolute he's still genius. he doesn't want to retire. He could, and he's like, no, I'm yeah. gonna do this until I absolutely can't. Right, and he's in his eighties. Yeah, he's like he wants to die in the suit. He's the last I, I, man standing cool. from the original <laughs> performers. So good for him. Oh yeah, and they I, from what I understand when I um I read or watched the uh, I Am Big Bird documentary, which tearjerker. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I was I was balling, dude, balling. And, but how they they already have a guy who Matt works, Vogel. yeah, who's gonna be the next Big Bird whenever that happens. He's a friend of mine too, and we're trying really? to get him on me and Shimko's show. So, really, mm-hmm. oh man, that's that would be a hell of an interview, oh, big man, time. Yeah. I really hope you guys get it because trying. if you do, I'm gonna be tuning in listening because that's amazing. Hell's yeah! All right, we've talked about Nora. We've talked about My Little Pony, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, where do we go from here? What about uh? Oh, we got a call coming in? Yeah. Oh, we got a call coming in. Perfect timing. <laughs> Welcome on the air. This is Ninja Starship. Hi, this is Jason from Canada. Hey, Jason <laughs> from Canada. How are you? <laughs> very, very good. Long time listener, second time caller. Thank you for calling, man. How's um, everybody doing? Pretty good. Uh, you're on the line with uh, Sean Seal, Casey Pierce, and Jay Fosgett. Another call. That's oh, we right have another here. call. Go ahead. Answer that one, too. Why not? <laughs> Again, you're on the air with Ninja Starship. Booyah, uh, Jimmy! Thanks for bringing these three wonderful people together. This is a fun show I've been listening to. Hell's yeah! Did that other caller? We lose the other no, caller? no, no. Okay. We have two calls on Jay. We have <laughs> Hello, other caller. Hey, how's it going? Hey, who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Steve. I'm calling from Illinois. Steve from Illinois. How you doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Hold on one second, Steve. Jay, did you have a question? Uh, I have a quick question. Um, Jay, you are a bit of a Canada file yourself. You, you come up to the Great White North here often to visit. Yep. I'd like to know what the other two's problems are. <laughs> uh, you guys going to come up and visit ever or what? Yeah, you guys. Yeah. Call to the Great White North. Uh, I've been bugging Casey to come with me to Toronto Comic Con and to Fan Expo. I want to go to Fan Expo. You know what? I'm going to say it here and now. I will go to Fan Expo. I'm telling you, I'm going this year. I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, I will do that. I got to get an enhanced license, though, right? Either that or a passport. Yeah, it's like 40 bucks for an enhanced license. No big deal. Listen, this is how much I love Toronto is I sat down with my friend Kat Inakai and we created our own con just so I had an excuse to come up. (laughs) <laughs> so and that was a fun time yeah you know, man well it's funner with you guys like, there so well it was great to come out cats awesome it was very cool to meet her and uh, see all the, uh, everything she's putting together but oh. uh yeah um hey jay uh publicly because you've spoken about it thanks so much for letting me even be involved in that trailer it was a bit of a masterpiece, and I had an absolute blast doing that, man. Well, thank you, and and we're going to be working together on more Bodhi stuff down the road. I'll talk to you about that. So wait a minute, I'm very very excited to hear that. Oh, this there is Jason it is. Clark. That's Jason Clark. Oh my God! Hi, Jason. Jason. Did you just from Canada? Canada? <laughs> you know what? Over the phone, it sounds he sounds different. Are there yeah. other Jasons in Canada? <laughs> He's more subdued. There has There is be. no other Jason in Canada at all. Oh, well, that's not to me anyway. It's my favorite. Jay is my spirit animal. Casey is my Patronus. Nice. Great. Expecto Casey. One of my favorite human beings is Jason Clark. I always say that. I'll say it again. You 
Hey, you guys are super swell. I'm going to let you talk to your other caller, but I'm very excited to see you all at uh, C2E2. And, Billy, we're going to do it up. It's going to be awesome. Yes. Hell yes, sir. Thanks for calling in, Jay. Hey, thanks for doing a great show, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Steve from Illinois. Hey, how's it going? Hey. I have a question for Jay. Go right ahead. Uh, Jay, I am a fan of your work, and I actually bought that mug you did of Wimpy as a hipster a couple of years ago, which is fantastic. Wow. I'm, I'm glad you got your hands on that. Um, that was a rare commodity. Um, yeah, and I really like how you dealt with that character, and I saw online that you did a cover for uh, an upcoming issue of Popeye. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. For um, they, they do reprints, Popeye Classics, and uh, Craig Yeo hired me. He saw... That, that piece that I had drawn of a sort of a sexy female Popeye and asked if he could use it as a cover, so I cleaned it up and colored it, and yeah, that's going to be a cover. That's cool. Yeah. I, I really like it. Thank you. Well, you, you've been a very a loyal fan, needless to say. So I'm looking forward to uh, meeting you all from Source Point Press at C2E2 next month. It's going to be great. It's going to be terrific. I can't wait for you to meet Travis and everyone, and Casey's going to be there, and it's, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, cool. say, say hi, Steve, and, and remind us who you are when you come to the booth. I sure will. Okay, cool. Thanks for calling, Steve. All right, bye. Have a good Take one. Take care. All right, um, well, let's go around the table, and uh, everybody give their social medias and everything so everybody can contact you and find out what you're doing next in that. Starting with you, Sean, go right ahead. Uh, <clears throat> anyone wants to look at my work, uh, I'm Sean, Art. well, on Twitter, I'm artist Sean Seal. And uh, I have a website. It's uh, seanseal.com, and my name is spelled S-E-A-N because that's the way you're supposed to spell it. Yep. And uh, my last name is just like the animal, so seanseal.com. Right now. Casey? Uh, you can find me at uh, facebook.com slash cosmiccasey, both with Ks. You can find me at cosmiccasey.com. Uh, Twitter handle is at cosmiccasey. On Instagram, it's at kcdwrites, not as in women's lib, but as in physical writing. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you can find um, my first horror novella, Pieces of Madness, on rocketingstudios.com or amazon.com. And Nora will be uh, on sourcepointpress.com, and it will be available um, at the conventions that I'm touring. Uh, uh, primarily, C2E2 will be the first one. So. Right on. Okay. Uh, jfosgett.com. If you go to the links section, I have links to all my social uh, media sites. So and I'm on all of them. And the Andy Richter to my Conan O'Brien. Will, go ahead, give your info out. You can find me on Instagram at Will Loves Pizza, because I love pizza. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you're just now tuning in and you missed this episode, be sure to download it on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening app. Please leave some iTunes reviews. They are very, very, very important. Check us out on social media, the Ninja Starship, Ninja Star Pod, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also find links to past episodes on Podcast Detroit and the Points of Interest Podcast Network. Also, you can email the show, ninjastarpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Let me know if I'm doing a good job, if I suck or whatnot. Until next week, Starship fans, that's a show. This is a previously recorded episode of